Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 39th episode of Breaching Extinction. Hope you guys are having a whale of a week. Um, Before we get started, just want to remind you guys to check out our website. We just put some new resources up there that can be um, hopefully really helpful to you guys in cultivating action and whatnot. Also, just put out a new music video called Orca Demise. Um, Hopefully you guys like that one. But this week we're going to be talking to Brittany Jandik. She's an environmental philosopher from the University of North Texas. She did her thesis looking at um, the southern resident killer whales. And I think this is probably one of our more crucial interviews um, because she is just very insightful. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Bye. I have Brittany Jandik with, here with me today. And that's my dog growling in the background. She's our executive interpupter who, like, all those soft growls in the background, that's always peaches. Um, but, yeah. Nice. Cool. So, um, Brittany is a researcher um, that got her master's degree at the University of North Texas and did a super amazing master's um, thesis. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about, like, your background and your thesis? Sure. So um, I got my undergraduate degree in geography uh, from the University of North Texas. And that's kind of where my interest with ORCAs um, led to eventually my my master's thesis. So when Blackfish came out in 2013, um, it really got to me. So I wrote a paper um, about cetacean captivity and the issues with it in my uh college freshman English class. And this then morphed into research that I did as an undergraduate um, in geography. And I presented at a couple of conferences with this research. And it mainly focused on the public relations that occurred um, with SeaWorld after Blackfish came out. So that was the way that that research went. And when I graduated, I wanted to get my master's, but I decided to move over into environmental philosophy. So I got my master's now at also the University of North Texas, but in the philosophy department instead of geography. And when I was thinking about what I wanted my thesis to be on, um, it I knew it wanted to be on orcas, but I didn't quite know which direction to head with it. And in July mm-hmm. of 2018, um, that was when uh, Telequa J35 was seen and you know of course it was all over the news of her carrying her dead baby calf um and when i saw that i realized that i wanted to focus on the southern residents i wanted to focus on that population of orcas and um, talked with my chair and we decided we would move it towards this um, kind of human nature relationship examination um, and away from the captivity side of things Awesome. And I think this is a really important topic because it is not talked about. And like, I love your thesis and I love that it exists because like you deal with the root of the issue and like these dams and all these other things are the symptom. And you're like, all right, let's get to the bottom of this. So um, cool. So can you tell everybody like the title of your thesis and like how you did your study, what you were looking at, um, all that good stuff? Sure. So the title is called Orca Recovery by Changing Cultural Attitudes, or Orca. Mm-hmm. I love uh, it. How Anthropocentrism and Capitalism Led to an Endangered Species in Puget Sound. Um, so basically what I wanted to do was I wanted to examine how anthropocentrism and capitalism 
have created this dualistic relationship between nature and humans. And a prime example of this is the Southern residents. Um, and they're endangered mostly because of human causes, like the lack of prey and the toxic water pollution and the um, excessive boat noise. So those, I realized when I started researching this more, they're produced ultimately by Western societies, anthropocentric attitudes, and capitalistic systems. Mm -hmm. So when I was thinking more about this and I was reading up on everything I would do with the Southern residents that I could find, um, I came to the conclusion just from that preliminary research that, you know, even if these physical issues are resolved, um, there could be new physical issues that arise later or the same ones could come back mm -hmm. if the underlying anthropocentric attitudes and capitalistic systems aren't fixed, if they're not changed because they are the root cause of those physical problems. Awesome. Um, so you defined it in your paper, but can you define anthropomorphism and capitalism for us just so that everybody's got like a full picture of what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. So um, basically anthropocentrism is this cultural attitude that humans are the most important um, species in the world and they are higher in the hierarchy of importance than non-humans. And so we are separate from and superior to nature. So this view provides justification for humans using non-human animals in nature for their benefit, even if it's gonna negatively impact those non-human animals in nature. Absolutely. Um, and then capitalism is a socioeconomic system. It's most common in the Western world. Um, and the reason I put these two together is because capitalism is related to anthropocentrism mm -hmm. because without anthropocentrism, capitalism wouldn't really be around. Um, so capitalism is kind of came out of colonial expansion and neoliberalism um, and a bunch of other big fancy yeah. <laughs> uh, theoretical terms out there. And so all of those were about shifting and consolidating power between humans, but also between humans and non-human animals. And these, um, con this consolidation of power uh, basically exploited non-human animals in nature and it valued profit over everything else. Absolutely. So capitalism makes a bunch of money off of exploiting nature. Um, you know, that's why we dam up a river. Yep. As it provides us money, economic power. Um, and so it's ultimately related to anthropocentrism because again, anthropocentrism is putting humans up on this pedestal mm -hmm. saying it's okay if we do that to nature because we're above it, we're better than it. Absolutely. And it's interesting too that you, you know, you bring up this capitalistic approach and you're saying like, you know, the reason that this exists is be like the reason that we dam up these rivers is because of like economics and capitalism. And, you know, the episode that came out before this one, um, I talked to Jim Waddell and what we learned from that is that like the dams are actually costing taxpayers money. So there are only a select few that benefit from this, but there's so much misinformation out there. Um, that people don't really understand that, but you're totally right. So what are some of the other ways that you've seen capitalism directly impact the Southern residents? So um, a big one is going to be the tourism industry that's on the San Juan Islands. Mm -hmm. um, so part of my thesis was taking a trip out to um, San Juan Island to see Friday Harbor and to interview local researchers and activists and business owners. And I wanted to see... A, what was going on down on the island, actually yeah. get a first-hand experience, 
But, you know, B, just from my research, I knew that the island benefits a lot off of these orcas um, because they bring in tourism. So, you know, whale watching brings in a lot of money. A lot of people choose to go there simply because they want to get on those boats and go see those whales. Um, And again, that's a way that we are exploiting the orcas. Um, I noticed in my research when I was on the ferry boat out to San Juan Island Mm -hmm. were a bunch of brochures. And a couple of them I saw for the whale watching boats said, guaranteed to see whales or your money back, which to me is a prime example of them trying to control something they have no control over for their own economic benefit. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. disregarding what's going on with the whales, you know, how the whales feel, <laughs> mm-hmm. what the whales are, are doing and solely saying, nope, us humans, we're above it. We're controlling it. We're exploiting it. We want your money. Come see them. We guarantee you'll see it. Yeah. Which they have no yeah. business guaranteeing something like that. That's, that's totally fair. I always, I always thought that the, the guaranteed whales is always an interesting sales point. Cause like you literally cannot guarantee a wild animal. Like people can go to the same spot. Like, you know, um, I've got some like wildlife photographer friends and like one of the main things that they always say is like, the reason that we see all this cool stuff is because we go out there day after day after day and like wait. And so, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Cool. So you would say that maybe whale watching is the main driving factor in this whole like capitalistic bit in there's, the San Juans? There's definitely a lot more. Um, almost every single shop when I was in like Friday Harbor mm-hmm. was selling orca themed items. Uh-huh. Um, so again, using the orcas for their own benefit, um, maybe they're not necessarily directly impacting the orcas that way, you know, because they're just selling t-shirts with, you know, an orca on it or whatever. But again, they're still not giving the orcas the mutual respect and understanding the entanglement that exists between humans and nature. Um, you know, again, they're just focusing on people love these orcas. Great, let's put their face on a T-shirt and we'll sell a bunch of them. Yeah. So I that can, was another big one. I can see that for sure. And I think that maybe it would be different and it wouldn't be so bad if the these whales were not endangered and like actually suffering because it's like... Yeah, you're right. These people are totally benefiting and like, hey, I can sell this and I can make money because people love orcas. Everyone loves orcas, you know. Um, And the whale watching one, that's a little bit complicated for me because I'm not sure if you've listened. um, But I used to work on whale watch boats in the San Juan Island and I currently work on whale watch boats in the Monterey Bay. And the how I came in into this because I read your thesis and like in there, there was a line that said something about like all of these boats are exploiting the orcas and like the whale watch boats is something I've always had an issue with and which is why I work on these boats ironically enough so um I lived in Florida and I saw that the ecotourism down there was awful and I saw this from a research perspective I saw it from boats and I literally studied um the study's not out yet and they are doing some like they're they're on they're keeping it low on the radar so people don't know that they're studying it so I can't talk about it too much but um, basically, anecdotally, what I saw was terrible. And then I went up to the San Juans because I wanted to see whales. And I saw that their whale watching practices, in my opinion, compared to Florida, were like top notch. They were like, all right, we're going to keep a distance. We're going to do all these different things to not impact the whales. And then I was also, you know, I've always been like, how do we keep people connected to nature? Because I don't agree with the laws that are like, I mean, obviously, we have to, we have to have a balance. We can't exploit them, right? right. Um, but... 
was like, so this is, this is a good avenue to do it. So I'm going to go learn from the people who I think do it best or that I have access to. And I've definitely learned a lot, but I totally agree with you that there are some changes that need to be made in the whale watching industry. And like, I, I really appreciate that you're, you're checking this industry and you're like holding them accountable because that's what needs to happen. And for me, I'm like, I want to fight it from the inside, you know, because I've seen that community-based efforts are more impactful. But I like, I really do struggle with the whale watching because I know that connecting people to these animals is how we get them to care. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, I also saw brochures out there for other whale watching industries mm-hmm. that promoted ecotourism. <laughs> yes. And they were all about following the Be Whale Wise guidelines. Mm-hmm. They were about following setback distances. They were all about like keeping your distance and using these boats to educate people on why the orcas are endangered, why you should care, and why, you know, like, it's important that we know information about them. It's important that, you know, we connect with them. So there was kind of two different um, whale-watching industries that I did notice on the island. Yes. Um, there was the more capitalistic exploitation-based, but then there were also the ones that were genuinely trying to not be that way. Mm-hmm. They were genuinely out there trying to educate, trying to help people connect, um, and I, again, it's, this whole issue is complicated. It's so it's complicated. Like the Southern residents yeah. endangerment, but it was, so it was interesting for me to go there and see the same type of businesses, but you know, different going different directions. Yes. Um, and so like I, when I was there, I went on a kayaking tour Nice. and you know, my sole purpose was, I was like, I want to see these orcas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I decided to go on a kayaking, um, ride instead of, you know, like on the whale watching boats. And everything didn't end up seeing any, but Mm -hmm. yeah, but I mean, I think that that's like, I mean, that's good too, that you're, you have a positive attitude about going out with these kayaks and not seeing stuff because those signs that say guaranteed whales are absolutely problematic because that totally enforces that attitude of like, we're going to get you to see a whale no matter what, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and I like, you know, I think you sharing that experience of, Hey, I went to go see a whale and I didn't see a whale go like that sets more realistic expectations you know like it's cool to see whales and like we want to of course we want to get close to a whale and like see what it's doing and all that stuff but like you're right there's we need to have that balance of of human versus animal needs like it's not just about us and um so what do you propose or like what kind of like changes do you want to see from the whale watching industry or do you think there's some some solutions I know like you talked about Lori Marino in your thesis and she thinks all boats up out of the water for a little bit and I totally I can see that perspective and if they think that that would work I would be all for pulling all the boats out of the water for a little bit what do you think yes you know I interviewed quite a few different people and um some of them that I did interview they were very much like no we need to get all whale watching boats away at least quite a few of them said at least a 600 foot setback distance from the orcas mm-hmm. um and this is the southern of residents one of the issues sorry i just want to clarify like all orcas or just the southern residents just the southern residents okay cool cool awesome <laughs> um but you know one of the issues is orcas swim underwater mm-hmm. <laughs> so you there might be orcas around and they just might be they, you know, they might not be currently breaching you just might not be seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that also is like, uh, so I don't know, is, is that even, is that even going in the right direction? Is that even a real solution if we just do a setback distance, but still let people go out? Yeah. So I don't know, maybe, yeah, putting just a whole halt on whale watching for right now until we can get their numbers to recover. 
maybe that is the right way to go. I don't live there. Yeah. You know, I'm not an active researcher out on the water every day or, you know, working for any of these companies. So I don't want to come out here as this outsider saying, this is what you have to do. Right. Um, I also tend to focus more because, you know, philosophy, Mm -hmm. I tend to focus more on these theoretical um, ways that we can help move things in the right direction, but tackle it, you know, from, from this, from this larger scale. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. my, in my thesis, what I focus on, um, like my big solution, Mm -hmm. I guess, is this new environmental ethic. Um, and so I call it a storied orcadic entanglement. Um, and it's my own blend of theories from a bunch of different researchers. Um, and so basically in this theory, what I wanted to do was create a new mode of knowing and thinking and understanding the entangled interspecies community of humans with the orcas. Yeah. So I pull from scholars like Donna Haraway, Deborah Bird Rose, Tom Van Doren, and Monica Wyland Shields. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, what I did is I created my own <laughs> my own ethic with their ideas, blended it all together, mm-hmm. and I think that this storied orcanic entanglement gives a voice to those silenced orcas, creates this new mode of thinking and knowing that works with the ecosystem. And it also dismantles the anthropocentric attitudes and capitalistic systems that led to their endangerment. Nice. Um, can you further like elaborate on on what your little blend is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the story of Arcadic, um entanglement kind of comes from, like I said, these different scholars. But specifically what I wanted to do was... Um, understand that humans and nature have historically had this like dichotomous relationship where we're seen as humans out here, nature's, you know, over there, like we're separate. And so by understanding that these animals have their own storied experiences. So like they're individuals, they have their own families, they have their own um, stories. I wanted to then take that because, mm-hmm. you know, we can relate to that as humans, having our own experiences, having our own stories. Right. So that's where the story part comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, then the Orcadic actually comes from Monica Wyland Shield's book, um, Endangered Orcas. Mm-hmm. And basically, I it means she said this part in her book, and this is where I got it from. It's, mm-hmm. it's her word, actually, Orcadics. I love it. Or Orcadic. Um, so... She talks about how the different organizations are researching and they're fighting for the orcas, um, but they disagree about what approaches are most beneficial for the orcas. And I saw that as well when I was there interviewing um, people. So she explains that the more people that she talks to about these whales, the more she hears that the orcas bring out the worst in people. So she gives this phenomenon the new name, Orcatics. Mm -hmm. And it basically refers to the local orca politics Mm -hmm. that are actually human politics surrounding the orcas. So all these different experts and activists uh, on the orcas have their own opinion on what the physical, what physical issue needs to be solved. Then they get tied up with each other. um, And that leads to debates and arguments instead of collaborative work. Mm -hmm. So she says that basically um, all these researchers and organizations, they say that their goal is to save the orcas mm-hmm. and that they're only focused on that. But then they have this history um, with each other that's basically interfering with the goal. So it's useful when we think about that 
because when you think about the lack of food and the boat noise and the pollution, mm-hmm. you don't really think about like politics mm-hmm. um, that are embedded in the way that the researchers and the politicians um, understand these orcas. Um, and they don't really understand what is needed to recover the orca population. Mm-hmm. So while solving the physical issues are necessary, ultimately the orcatics, the mm-hmm. orca politics, need to be understood. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the orcatics are rooted in ideas of anthropocentrism. Um, and then they also enforce this individual competition over collaboration. Yep. So Very unlike you know, the orcas. Very unlike them. <laughs> Right, exactly. So, you know, instead, basically saying that the focus of the researchers and the activists needs to be orca-centric, not anthropocentric, focused on all their own debates and battles. So that's where the orcatic comes from. Yes. And then the entanglement um, basically comes from Donna Haraway and her idea of multi-species communities, um... And, you know, the entanglements that we all share with nature, mm-hmm. you know, orcas are tangled up with humans, are tangled up with water, are tangled up with the rivers, are tangled up with the fish, are tangled up with everything. Mm-hmm. So understanding that it's not, again, just like us over here, them over there, the water's over here, the dams are something different. Mm-hmm. Like we're all interconnected. You know, we're like a big web. Yeah. So we're, we're entangled. Our lives are dependent on each other, our livelihoods Mm -hmm. and us thriving is Mm -hmm. all dependent on the environment and the different animals. Mm -hmm. So when you put it all together, you get my storied orcatic entanglement. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of where that, where that came from. Yeah. I think that that's beautiful. And that, that gets right down to it. Cause that was one of the things that I noticed too, when starting this and like Monica Shields book, um, like I, I talk about it, like probably I feel like every three episodes, but especially there's like a whole chapter about the politics behind it. And it's so silly to me that that people who started in this, it's now turned into something else. It's it's about them. And unfortunately, I think that that's something that is all too common in the scientific community. And I think that it, it's because, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've talked with Deborah Giles a little bit about my feelings on feelings um, in the field. And like, I... I I think the scientists were taught that we have to take the emotion out of everything and then Mm -hmm. it becomes about accolades and then it becomes about competing for grants and this and that. And it's like, I feel like when you take the emotion out of it, you can't remember why you were there in the first place. And I don't know if you watched the documentary Tiger King, but that's, that's, that's so (laughs) different because they were not about conservation. They were just like, just crazy tiger people. Like when it became about the money and it became about the money and it became about like, having revenge on Carol Baskin or whoever. Mm -hmm. And like, we can't have that. Like, this is why I talk about Bernie Brown so often. And why I talk about like different, like how we do it is just important as why, as what we're doing, because like she talks about, you need to be aligned with your values. And like, at the end of the day, when you're doing, when you're like sitting there and you're like, okay, I'm going to type this paper or I'm going to do this orca thing or this or whatever. Like, you should be like, okay, does this align with the values of conservation? But also the thing that I don't get is like, if we combined all of our orca people together to make one big orca force, like we would, 
like we could get we could fix all the physical issues but you're right we have to get to the root issues because we can't fix the physical issues if everybody's against each other you know which is so silly because why do you got to be against somebody because why because you love whales harder like who cares if all the southern residents die at the end and then you have like you know someone else said this to me if you if they all die you have no friends and like, but you were the biggest orca lover. Does it even matter? No. Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. know. I, during all my research, and I mentioned this, um, especially towards the end of my thesis, kind of like, you know, how I noticed it too when I was on the island interviewing all these people. And, you know, how that kind of became the biggest anthropocentric um, blockade out there mm-hmm. was the fact that the researchers who are all about saving the orcas became so focused on themselves and their own internal battles. Um, and, you know, yeah, trying to argue that, no, this issue needs to be fixed first. No, this issue needs to be fixed. Um, and, you know, all my, all my interviews, every single person was focusing on either the whale watching, the dams, mm-hmm. or the toxic. fisheries um, and, like, like the la- lack of food. Yeah. Not too yeah. many mentioned the toxic water okay. pollution. Like, nobody was saying, like, let's go, like, scream at Seattle yeah. Um, yeah. about what they're dumping in the water, which was kind of surprising. But, you know, all of them were arguing, oh, all those people are talking about whale watching. Man, they're crazy. We need to focus on a food. And then I was kind of like, do you notice that the larger issue is coming from the fact that we focus so much on what humans think and what we want what we think is best yeah not on what's best for the orcas not on what's best for the environment yeah and like and now like that does come back to circling back of like why do we use logic in science and i i think there's a balance like you don't want to tie emotions into your science and this is why um but at the same time like we need to use logic to be like okay what are the facts that we have in front of us based on the evidence that we have and like then from those facts, what are we going to do? And, like, you had even mentioned in your thesis that, like, you had talked to Giles and she said that people should just work where they are most effective. And, like, I totally agree with that concept. There are so many issues and not – there's no – none, no one of us in this group can solve this problem. It's, like, if you are passionate about an issue, you run with it. I see the whale watching. I see the toxins. I see the dams. I'm most passionate about the dams because there's salmon involved. That's two animals. That is where my stakes lie. That's where I'm going to invest my efforts. But I see all the other efforts are important. So I, there's no, it's a waste of energy to fight about what needs to happen first because then you don't, then you're like that time that you're fighting of what could happen, like what should happen first, that could just be used to be like, okay, how are we going to like delegate to this issue or that issue, you know? Right, and I am in no way arguing in my thesis that the physical issues don't need to be fixed oh, yeah. or aren't worth focusing on. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying, in my thesis, I try very hard not to, like, bash on the people I interview. Oh, you didn't, know, yeah. Say you... what they're doing yeah. isn't good enough or anything else. Um, my argument is that, you know, there's larger systems that cause the physical problems. Mm-hmm. So the permanent goal, the long-term goal is going to be to reverse the anthropocentrism and the capitalism that led to widespread environmental destruction, even outside of the Southern residents. Um, and I, in my research, did not see any single organization focusing on just that issue. Yeah. Um, and during my uh, defense, one of my committee members asked me, like, why do you think that is? 
And it made me think because I hadn't really honestly thought about that. And I think the biggest thing is because that's an easier goal. It's easier to try to bring down some dams than it is to advocate that all of Western society needs to become anti-anthropocentric and like anti-capitalist. Like yeah. It's way easier to argue for some dams to come down than to argue for that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, do, the, do we ultimately need those attitudes to change? Yes. But like, ultimately, do we also need the food to be available, the water to be clean, and there not to be so much noise? Yes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and one is a short-term goal and one is a long-term goal. And they both need to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, working where you're most effective is how we're going to get it done. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And I think that you're right. These things are easier. And, like, we do we do have to deal with the symptoms because of that. But you're right. It's going to come back up. There's going to be another issue. There's going to be another, like, animal that gets exploited. So I think that you're right that we need to integrate that into our message but how do we how do we change culture like it's doable but like and it's been done and that's the thing as I think people always argue like oh we can't do that this or that or whatever okay well like if you just look at any facet of human history in any part of the world you can see there are cultural changes so like how do we how do we change that what are your thoughts so the biggest thing that I kind of saw from my research and you know knowing what I know about environmental philosophy um, kind of combining the two, like how do we reach the goal of making sure the orcas don't die and they get their food right. and, you know, they can reproduce and, you know, their calves aren't dying and they can find their food through echolocation, but also how do we simultaneously change our environmental ethic and our relationship to nature? So I think what I found was that using a combination of education mm-hmm. for the general public from these experts, from these activists, uh-huh. um, along with policy change. So getting, you know, high level government officials like Governor Inslee to, you know, actually create policies yeah. that are going to help the orcas um, combined with new research. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's plenty of researchers out there and, you know, there's, there's plenty more studies we can do on them besides just, you know, following where they are. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Dr. Giles is doing her, um, her scat detecting dog right. study right now and, and, you know, new research like that. So if we combine all of it together, it's going to obviously fix the physical issues affecting the orcas. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it would mean bringing down the dams. Right. You know, right. it would mean stopping dumping, you know, toxic waste into the bay. Right. You know, it would mean stop allowing that many, you know, boats with their loud engines to be out there. You know, yep. stop allowing oil tankers to go through Harrow Strait. Yeah. You know, but then it would also, through that education, through the policy, and through the new research, we would slowly start to shift our way away from capitalism and anthropocentrism and towards this new environmental ethic that understands the multi-species community that we're a part of, how our lives are entangled with nature, and how, you know, ultimately, like, we can't survive if the orcas don't survive. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I think you're totally right. And like, you know, you had touched on, we think that we're better, you know, we need to, like, we feel the need to exploit and like, you know, all the the damaging things that we're doing to the animals, like we're also damaging ourselves. And I don't understand where, why there's like a disconnect in our like collective ability to conceptualize that because like, 
we, we lose these animals. We lose a, a key part of our environment. Like the oceans are so critical to human health. Like, and, and even I feel like the statement is anthro, you know, like I, I'm putting humans on top cause I'm turning it to like, well, Oh, look at how these animals benefit us, you know, which should not be it. But like, I know that that's how the world works at this time. So that's kind right. of where the, where that comes from. Well, you know, it's hard to try to catch yourself from thinking anthropocentrically or even capitalistically because that's, you know, like what you were raised and like what you saw and and what you're used to, like the world you currently live in. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely hard to try to like shift your thinking and like shift your way of understanding towards Mm -hmm. something new, which is why I think if you can combine things like education, you know, like there's currently no mainstream environmental education in public schools right you know if if you can add that in and if you can make it specific to to certain locations you know we're talking about the southern residents but there's environmental destruction and you know extinction going on all around the globe Mm -hmm. um you know and and shifting our thinking globally away from anthropocentrism and you know in the western world you know capitalism Mm -hmm. is going to benefit way more than just the southern residents yeah but i mean yeah it's going to take you know, a lot of people, a lot of different actions, um, people working where they're most effective, people working together and collaborating, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to take a lot of work. It's not just going to be easy, but then there's an added complication on these orcas are currently dying. You know, there's only 72 of them left. Like they need their, their salmon. Now they need to be able to reproduce and have their babies live now. Yeah. They need to be able to echolocate, mm-hmm. you know, and find the available salmon. Right. And so it's like, there's an urgency. But there's also like, you have to do it carefully because you have to make sure that you're shifting the focus in the right direction mm-hmm. um, and not just creating a new anthropocentric attitude or a new version of capitalism. Yeah. Um, you know, with this education and with this policy change. So it's, it's a very, it's a very narrow path to be walking here. It's delicate and it's difficult because maybe in a sense it hasn't been done before. And I think this is, this is the time that we turn to cultures that have put a high value on the environment that respect it. And like, you know, the native people in the area of like the San Juans in Washington, they did a good job of that and they were they were forced out of that because of, you know, colonizers and everything. But I think even so we can turn to other communities who place a high value on the environment and learn from that as well. Um, But it's just, you're right. It's really difficult. And I think that in order for this to happen, we need to heal as individuals and we need to heal as a community. And that's like another reason why I always talk about Brene Brown Um, because (laughs) she like, she promotes that. She promotes like vulnerability and like um, healthy work environments and healthy leadership. And I think that if we're able, if, cause for what, you know, when it comes down to it, the reason why somebody's gonna like feel the need to one up somebody or be better or like have these like, you know, personality traits of like, I gotta be the best is like, is because of something in them that is not healed. Like, you know, cause there's no need to be the best. Like you just do your best. Like you don't have to be number one, but like if you're more concerned with your rank as opposed to what your work is like there, you need to, we need to self-reflect and it's like, it's not fun. It's not cute. Like we've all had to self-reflect. I have to do it. Like I have things I have to work on too. Like it's really like you got to do that shadow work. It's not fun, but you have to do it in order for us to like be a successful population. And then on top of that, I think, you know, cultivating areas where we're able to 
we're like having culture that fosters that of like you know healing yourself and healing your culture because clearly we have a lot of cultural healing we need to do you know we see that right now with with the pandemic and with all the racism that's going on everywhere like you know so I think this is this is just one of those things that we need to fight for um like what do you think that we could do on the individual level or even collectively or in the San Juans to like start this you know well so I think one thing is remembering the ultimate goal Mm -hmm. you know which is keeping ourselves and you know in, in while keeping ourselves thriving and alive that means keeping nature mm-hmm. alive and, and thriving mm-hmm. um you know like that has to be always at the forefront mm-hmm. you know, what we're working towards here yeah you know it's our own survival it's not just some you know fun little like oh whatever low yes. stakes sort of a goal here like this is like for our survival for the survival of the planet for the survival of these non-human animals right um you know so so making sure we keep that at the top level but also you know spiritually i mean you know you mentioned the the native american tribes that have Mm -hmm. always been connected to these orcas um and you know unfortunately have been kind of like shoved out of that whole area Mm -hmm. um again by you know capitalism over here destroying more lives yeah um but you know we the san juan island culture and i mentioned this in my thesis is inherently connected to the orcas like san juan island specifically Mm -hmm. like friday harbor Mm -hmm. would not exist if the orcas did not exist that's facts yep everything on that island is tied to those orcas so you know people who are there or who you know go there often you know maybe they have a vacation home whatever like that culture is tied to that species so if you care at all about that island if you care at all about you know the beauty that's there or you know like your business that's there or your family that's growing up there like you have to care about the orcas Mm -hmm. like they're tied together um and so you know i think that's one thing that a lot of people also don't seem to realize about like where they live just in general like they don't understand like where you live like the memories you make like the people you meet like the things you do are all tied to your environment Mm -hmm. so it pays to keep it healthy yeah because otherwise it's not going to exist yeah I agree with you and I think one of the gaps that you kind of talked about earlier was like there's virtually no environmental education in the public school system and like when I was in Ohio, I personally experienced that. And I also went to school in Texas as well, which sounds like you did too. And I didn't experience it in either of those states. I mean, you could take like an environmental science class like for a year in high school, but there was it was not integrated. And then when I talked to um, Alex and Fauna um, on a few episodes back, they had expressed the same thing, that they didn't experience that. And I believe... I, it, it was Texas again, and then, like, I uh, I think Alex is from Maryland, or she's from one of the small little states, I'm pretty sure. But, like, nowhere in the country are we experiencing this environmental education, and I think we're totally taught to exploit. I remember in high school um, when I would try to talk to my family members or talk to my friends about um, caring about the environment or, like, recycling or ocean health or animals – um, I would get, I would receive a lot of pushback. Like, well, it's just easier to buy plastic water bottles. Like, I know, um, like, because my brother still lives at home, that they still buy plastic water bottles. And I'm like, well, what's the point of this? Like, and it's just like when that culture is like enforced, even you know, even so, you're not gonna. It's 
more socially unacceptable, I guess, to to do the right thing, if that makes sense. So it's like we have to change that and make it more accessible. Well, you know, speaking to that issue, um, like people care about what directly impacts them, mm-hmm. like here and now. Yes. So, you know, if somebody doesn't directly throw their plastic water bottle into the ocean, mm-hmm. they don't think about what happens to the plastic water bottle once they throw it in the trash. Yeah. You know, they, they don't understand that connection. Um, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand their connections to other people, to the environment, to, you know, themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, we've lost it in this culture that we've that we've made, um, especially, you know, in, in the Western world. Um, it's very individualized. It's very focused on, you know, you, yourself, like only your immediate family, only your loved ones. You know, we see it now with the pandemic with people not wanting to wear a mask. Yeah. You know, not understanding the global impact and like the community that exists between everybody. You know, we have one planet, we have one human species, we have, well, you know, there's only one. And so like, you have to keep it healthy. You know, you have to think about the collective. Yeah. If you want your own self to survive, you want your own family to survive, like then you better hope that everybody else cares about you as much as they care about themselves. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I think that that sort of attitude, I like, just from moving around a lot, I think it stems from like that disconnect is like from that capitalistic culture where we have these big brands and we've got like, you know, you go to like all these big box stores or Amazon or whoever and you order something or you buy something and like you see that, you know, a lot of times customers are will be entitled or like yell about like, you know, not getting what they want or like trying to return things or whatever. But it's like, if you were you couldn't behave that way in a small town. Like you could not behave that way on San Juan Island. Like you couldn't like throw a hissy fit because you're held accountable and you know that that there's a person behind that. And I think that with the media and with, um, you know, all these big box stores is, is we see things as entities. We don't, we forget that there was somebody that created that, that there's people that work those jobs. Like, you know, I think it makes a huge difference when you work for a small company or you work or you live in a small community, you see like, Oh, like, you know, my, my actions directly impact it in this way. And I think we lose that with media too, because like, you know, you see all these people and and you disconnect and you're like, Oh, that's so far away. That's different. That's whatever. And like, you know, I think people are so consumed in media and in consuming things that they forget to be a part of their community. They forget to be part of like being present in their day. And, you know, if we go back to that community mindset, the way that humans have lived for thousands of years before the industrial revolution i think that 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 could potentially solve our environmental problems but i think that's that's part of the root of it is like we've lost that connection and that's why we act this way you know you know the capitalism comes into play like consumption culture Mm -hmm. people see an advertisement on tv you know and it's a cool looking thing it's like i gotta go out and buy it Mm -hmm. and you know ultimately companies are going to produce what people buy Mm -hmm. Like the consumer does have the power. If you keep buying, you know, plastic water bottles, they're going to keep making plastic water bottles. Right. Yes. <laughs> and it's only through, in my mind, it's only through education mm-hmm. and through, again, fostering that sense of community that you start to get people to change their behavior, to change their attitude, to change their view. Mm-hmm. And then be like, oh man, like, first of all, Walmart does nothing for me. Nestle doesn't help me at all. Nestle just hurts everybody. Yep. <laughs> Why should I support that at all? Yep. When I could support, you know, this Etsy shop that makes a super cute reusable water bottle. Yep. And then I'm supporting a local, uh, you know, small business 
I'm, you know, helping the environment and I'm not buying into the big corporation that is causing, you know, widespread environmental destruction Mm -hmm. and community, you know, community destruction. Ultimately, you know, they're driving other small businesses out of business. Yeah. Um, You know, again, everything is connected and people just don't see those connections. Um, And I tried my best, Mm -hmm. you know, through my research and through like talking to people and through my own social media Mm -hmm. to try to make everybody that I can communicate with understand this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's really hard because you, I'm just one person, you know, you're just one person. Right. You know, this podcast is only going to reach so many people. Exactly. Uh, You know, and so it's like you need to get more and more people behind, behind, you know, movement. Yeah. In order to gain traction, in order to create mass change. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember in college, uh, and I think we talked about this because we talked for like an hour over the weekend already, but yes. um, my professor, one of my professors in college, Jeff Howard, who he's like one of one of the main reasons why I think the way that I do as an academic and just like as a person, but he... Um, I remember in a leadership course, he was like showing us a video and it was like, this person is dancing in a field and there's like a bunch of people and they're just dancing and they're like, you know, he's kind of wild and crazy and people are looking at him and he starts pulling a friend or two in and then they start dancing and they're all having fun and people are kind of looking at him, but also kind of warming up to it. Like he's, he's like the freak at first. And then eventually a bunch of people join in and if you're the one sitting on the ground, then you're the weird person. And so it's like, you just have to dance and go be the freak, you know, go be the weirdo for a second, go stand out. Like it's, it takes courage and it like, it takes a lot to do that because, you know, nobody wants to feel like, you know, nobody wants to be an outsider. People want to be connected. People want to do whatever. And it's like, they feel connected by continuing to support capitalism and like these ideologies that like we're better than nature because they don't want to stand out because they don't want to be isolated. And that's, you know, one of the things that connects us. So I think so many people buy into stuff or they say that they, you know, support certain ideas that maybe don't necessarily align with their values because they want to fit in. Um, And I think that ultimately, if you just like check yourself as far as like with all your things, and it takes a bit of mindfulness and a bit of practice of like, if I buy this product, does this align with my values? Like, if I, if I do this or I interact with this person in this way, is this aligning with my values? Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Or am I, am I doing this to support like capitalism or whatever? And it's like, you know, we see in the media, all these different things of like, you should, you know, you should be rich and skinny and like, blah, blah, blah. And when you see these advertisements, of course, it's going to trip with your head. Like you're going to, like it does with everybody. But who benefits from that really? Because it's not collective society. Like nobody benefits from spending too much money. Nobody benefits from having like useless crap or trying to compete for status that they're never going to get or trying to have the perfect body. Nobody benefits from that. Only the people in power. So it's like question that, you know? Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, questioning systems of power is exactly what I'm arguing for in my thesis. Mm -hmm. You know, that if we don't question these systems of power... Like, it doesn't matter if we take those dams down or not, because they're just going to build new dams on a different river that is going to impact those orcas in a different way. Yeah. You know, you need to move away from, you know, these things that they want you to focus on. You know, they they plan on you only caring about the dams and then just celebrating and walking away when the dams are down. That's what they count on, because they know that, oh, well, in 10 years, when those people are all whatever and moved away and are just like, don't care anymore, we can just build some new ones who who cares it's mm-hmm. like no like you have to keep fighting for systemic change mm-hmm. um you know you can't just stop 
at the one little symptom. Yeah. You know, if I, if I fix my sore throat, but you know, I don't actually change the thing that caused it in the first place, like, you know, smoking. Yep. Like, you know, you're not going to actually solve the root of the problem there. Never. You know, like, oh, I drank some medicine. My throat feels better. I'm going to go back and smoke another cigarette. Your throat's going to hurt again tomorrow. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so it's, to me, again, it's about education. It's about educating people to realize that it goes beyond what the media and what general society wants you to focus on. Right. You know, don't just care about the plastic water bottle, but change about the com- care about the company who's making that who's getting all the money, who has a monopoly, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you need to move, you know, you need to look forward, you need to look upward towards those things and right. work on those bigger issues because that's going to bring the whole system down. Absolutely. And then, you know, we can rebuild it to one where it's a collective community oriented, you know, entangled community yeah. that we ultimately yeah. have with each other and with nature. And we're going to come out better. I think so. And, you know, science backs what you're saying. And I think like a lot of people, you know, don't like to dive into philosophy because they're like, oh, like this is never going to happen. This is whatever. This is, but like it can happen. And science backs what you're saying. And like, you know, one of my degrees is psychology. I did environmental and psych. And like so many of the things that you're talking about for wellness, like, or, or talking about like in society backs human wellness for humans to physically and emotionally and mentally be healthy and stable they need like communities they need to be connected to one another um not like feeding into societies and ideas that don't benefit the community like i think that's one of the things we really got to keep asking who is this benefiting and i think you're totally right and like i absolutely get caught up in the symptoms too because i'm so gung-ho about like let's get these dams down and i'm gonna get those dams removed me and a bunch of other people but like you know in that you're right we can't stop there that's the thing yeah don't just stop there when you reach that goal like then go towards the you know even higher goal yes you know like you got to keep going yes and i think that like you know having people like you out there who like well you've done this research so it's science and it's like cool the science like scientists all like to do like and it's funny the irony of it because there's always the scientists of like oh hard science versus soft science blah 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 like it all is important like and so you know you literally are saying these things and it's grounded in science like this is not just like you talking out of like out of your mouth just for some reason like it's literally it's backed with science and I think that that's one of the things that's so valuable is because like we need to have things that are rooted in science but like this is literally like we're just talking about like facts here you know right right and you know that's part of the reason why i switched from geography over to philosophy was because i did mostly human geography Mm -hmm. i also got a minor in geology and then a minor in philosophy Mm -hmm. so i also did some of the hard science yeah i got a little bit of that theoretical and i realized that i didn't like being rooted in one discipline where i had to think a certain way read certain authors stick to a certain way of understanding because I'm in that discipline, Mm -hmm. because I realized that we need all disciplines. We need all people. We need all the science, all the philosophy, all the art, all of the math, all of the everything, you know, we need it all combined in order to better our world. Absolutely. You know, you can't just major in this one thing, become an expert in that one field, only do that thing and expect to see giant systemic change from your one discipline you know we don't live in a separate separated like 
boxed off world where you know the scientists are right there the mathematicians are right here the you know artists are over here the philosophers are there like we're all connected it's all interdisciplinary yeah and I, you just like sparked a thought that I hadn't really thought about before was like, you're saying, you know, we, we don't operate in boxes and like, I think society wants to tell us to, they're like, as women, as a, like a white person or a black person or a trans person, this is how you behave. This is whatever. And I, I like, I totally hate boxes too. And that's why I went to like a liberal arts school, throw the box out the window. We're, we're sick of that box. I mean, don't right. throw it out the window. Cause we're not littering here. We don't support that. But like, <laughs> you know, recycle like your box. recycle. So get rid of it that box we're done with that box um but it's it's not helpful and like when we remain connected we get more done but you don't get the full picture if you look at one lens and like there absolutely is something to be said about having a certain level of expertise but it's like combine that you know it's like right. you're talking about how are the orcas impacted by society and that's huge and like if we are to sit there and just deny and be like, hey, like, we're not going to look at the social aspect of it because, like, that's not hard science and, like, that's not, like, cool and, like, orcas have, you know, distinct fins and we're just going to focus on that. Like, that's not beneficial to anyone and also, like, everybody communicates in different ways and, like, while you may have all these accolades and all this awesome science prestige, like, that doesn't translate to, like, everybody. So we need to incorporate everybody because this is an everybody issue. This is not just, like, San Juan people issue. Like, this is a global issue of how do we value the environment? How do we value animals? And then how do we continue to like live in a society that's mutually beneficial for everyone, meaning every being involved, you know? Right, right. And I mean, you need experts, you know, especially scientists, because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of school, it takes a lot of knowledge, it takes a lot of studying yeah. to learn, you know, especially about like a certain, you know, pod of orcas mm-hmm. located, you know, like in this very small area like yeah you need those researchers but you can't just expect the researchers to do it all yeah you also do need the activists who are marching to bring down the dams Mm -hmm. you do need you know the philosopher yes to you know understand how this is a societal issue Mm -hmm. you know it's a larger scale issue but then you know you also need the researcher in the water with her scat detecting dog you know but then you also need the big, you know, dolphin researcher, orca and whale dolphin brain researcher who understands how they work inside, you know, neurologically yeah. to understand all of this. Like, you need it all. You need the politician. Yeah. You know, even if you don't like the politician, like, you need them to help you implement the change. Yep. It's like, you're you're totally right. It's like, we when we come together, we, we've all got, the pieces of the puzzle are here. We yes. just have to put them together, but everybody's too busy worried about what their puzzle piece looks like, where it fits in the puzzle, how big their puzzle piece is, that they're not just worried about being a part of it. And that's the thing. Just be a part of the puzzle. That's all you have to do. Like, and that's, and, and you're worthy and you're enough for doing that. And like, and that is way more helpful than worrying about all of these other external things. Those are not helpful, you know? Exactly. Awesome. Um, so that's, I, you know, about time. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about your study or anything else that you want people to know? No, I mean, I want to thank all the people who helped me get my degree done. You know, all the people I interviewed on San Juan Island, mm-hmm. um, you know, all my professors throughout my entire college career mm-hmm. who helped get me you know, to the point that I, that I got to with my thesis and everything. And of course I want to thank you for inviting me to, to come on here to talk about it. It means a lot. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on here. Like this is a, a really important conversation and I've, 
I've touched on like themes of this before, but it's nice to talk to somebody who like that was your job for two years is to like study this and really figure it out. So thanks so much for sharing that knowledge and also like, you know, pushing for these systematic changes and looking at the big picture because it's crucial. So yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, I thought that that was definitely one of our more critical conversations, and I hope you guys benefited from it as much as I did. Um, But if you guys want to find out more about how to save the orcas or you want to read Brittany's thesis, check out Breaching Extinction's website. The link is in her episode description. Also find more ways to help and get involved on the website. Um, If you guys want to continue to support this project, we are on Patreon and we did just start selling merch. So we have t-shirts and activity masks. So if you guys are interested in purchasing those, we would definitely appreciate it. We're trying to get more educational materials out to the public and start campaigning. So that's what those funds would be going towards. Um, But yeah, give us a, um, a review on whatever your podcasting platform is. That's always helpful. But I hope you guys have a whale of a week. Goodbye.